Welcome to the Velocity Podcast, brought to you by management consulting firm Oliver Wyman. In this episode, we are joined by Nicholas Sentik and Konstantinos Farsos and Robert Mather from IFS, where they discuss overcoming aviation labor challenges through technology. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's Oliver Wyman Velocity Podcast. My name is Nick Sentik. I'm a principal at Olive Wyman's transportation practice. I'm joined today by Costas Farsos, partner in our transportation practice, as well as Rob Mather, vice president of aerospace and defense industries at IFS. Hi there. Welcome. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thanks for, thanks for joining us today. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. So Rob, it was great having you on the show a couple or last year. Good, uh, good opportunity to catch up with you today. We wanted to get uh, today a little bit of your perspectives on how the, the industry has changed. And we know IFS serve a lot of clients in a lot of different sectors and wanted to get a sense of what are some of the challenges that you're hearing uh, from your clients today? Well, it, it changed. You mentioned that we, we serve a lot of different sectors, right? So, so the, the problems that they're facing are a little bit different depending on which segment we're talking about, whether we're talking about defense forces or defense contractors or manufacturers in A&D or MROs or airlines and air operators. I will say that there's, there's kind of two things that are almost universal. One is sort of global supply chain challenges. We all know that we had sort of supply chain challenges brought on by the pandemic and they just got worse thanks to the the conflict in Ukraine being exacerbated with different uh, um, political embargoes, making those supply chains even worse. And then the other one would be the skilled labor shortage. So lots of industries are facing a skilled labor shortage. It's particularly painful for the airlines and MROs when it comes to technicians, licensed technicians. It's a topic that's been brought up for the last couple of years. It was the number one challenge facing our customers uh, as of last year, and it's still the number one issue facing them today with supply chain challenges coming in at number two. Are your customers asking you for how, how are they dealing with this in, in terms of technology? What, how, how, what, what are the things that they're asking you guys for? Well, with respect to the technician shortage, I think... People are trying to do more with less to a certain extent. So trying to find efficiencies where they can to enable their workforce to be able to sort of accomplish more with who they have today. I think there's, like if we dig into those threads a little bit, some of the themes that were coming up at the conference here were around hiring and retention and a whole bunch of stuff. And we are facing a uh, sort of a generational shift in the technicians that are there. I think we talked last time about some of the some of the turnover where a lot of the senior technicians were taking early retirement or buyout packages as a means to control costs through the early stages of the, of the pandemic. Um, and but what that means is the workforce is newer, right? They're trying to get people in from from different schools, make sure that the education and training pipeline is coming through. But one of the things that, that's really interesting when you're talking about attracting and retaining younger workers is they don't want to be using old technology and they don't want to be just doing the old, same old, same old paper processes, right? They're used to doing everything on their phone 
And if you're telling them that they can't do that anymore, that's uh, that's not how they really typically want to work these days. Rob, it was interesting to hear what what sort of technology solutions are you specifically looking into to to help address those items? Well, it's really interesting. We I, I sort of mentioned the idea of gaining efficiency from your workforce. And I've seen some organizations talking about sort of scheduling optimization to be able to make sure that you're assigning the technicians in the most efficient way possible. So you're not wasting time between tasks or you're organizing tasks that they're executing in such a way as to be more efficient, like keeping them in the same proximity to location on an aircraft, for example, not wasting travel time, making sure that they have the next task up ready to go. But there's another angle that you could look at it too, which is utilizing technology to make an individual technician more efficient by sort of speeding them up or changing the types of processes that they're using and enabling that through the use of technology. Do you have specific examples that uh, IFS have been looking into? I do, yeah. So mobility is a is a big part of it, right? So mobility is nothing new. People have been talking about mobility for a long time. But when you're what you're talking about with mobility, again, you can sort of look at it from two different angles. Now, on one side, a lot of organizations might think about going mobile as just digitizing their existing processes, putting manuals on an iPad having somebody sign off a PDF version of what is still amounts to like a paper task card, but just now on your iPad. And that leaves a lot of the promise of mobility on the table. In order to unlock the power of mobility, you really need to to look at it from a, a different angle in terms of how can mobility unlock efficiencies within my organization and how can my organization support uh, mobility? So, for example, if you're going to real-time data entry, what that means is upstream in your organization, you're able to make decisions based on real-time data faster. So you can be more strategic in responding to things as they occur out on the floor. And that in and of itself allows you to be more efficient holistically. But if you're also supporting those processes from other parts of your organization, let's say um, supply chain, what you can do is keep the technician working. I think the common phrase is hands-on metal, right? So you got the technician at the aircraft. Let's keep them there working continuously. So number one, we talked about like those task assignments that are coming there, but that all goes out the window if they have to climb down from the aircraft and go to a kiosk to enter a part request or themselves go to the window to get a part from the warehouse, right? If you can, if you empower them with mobility, they can be on board the aircraft. They can request a part and see the status of that part and pause that work while they're awaiting that part, flip to the next task, start executing that while they're waiting. Meanwhile, supply chain, if they're integrated into the process, can trigger the fulfillment of that part and send a runner out to the aircraft at much lower cost or more plentiful resource and get that part into the hands of the technician so that they can work without 
spending any non-productive time to get that part in the first place. And what that means is that technician ha- has now not only are they not wasting time directly going and, and getting that part themselves or requesting it from off the aircraft, but they've been able to work on something else in the intervening time period. So what would have been a waiting time previously is now productive time. And what do you think has been one of the largest I think, barriers or challenges to having a greater mobility rollout? At your point, I think we've seen a lot of our clients on our end moving away. Their primary focus has been moving away from paper and digitizing effectively paper processes, but they haven't really necessarily considered it from a new, purely digital perspective. Well, I think, I think first of all, organizations previously have sort of made the business case around getting rid of paper. There's been a cost associated with the storage of paper records, the generation of paper records, all that stuff. And they've said, oh, isn't it great if we don't have this warehouse? Let's just get rid of paper from that perspective. But that's a very limiting perspective. It doesn't show you the power of the efficiencies that you can gain by really pushing mobile to the next level. The other part of it is it's hard to do. You got to get different teams in a room and get them to agree to it. That scenario that I described doesn't work if you haven't included supply chain in that scenario and set up that part of your organization to do that material fulfillment. If they, even if you get the electronic request, if it just goes into a queue and somebody in supply chain puts it in a bin and leaves it at the window, you've still lost a bunch of that potential efficiency for that technician, right? So it's a big transformational change to really unlock the full power of mobility. And that's a tall task. And what other technologies are you guys looking at? I mean, like beyond the paper and beyond the mobility when we were talking about mobility just a second ago, we sort of talked about the the power of paperless records and real-time information and the idea of making the technician efficient from the time that they're spending. But you can actually expand on that more. So we talked about the supply chain part of the organization, but you can go into, for example, the engineering support processes. And a tool that you can use to do that, which you can trigger from your mobile device, is augmented reality. So let me, let me frame that for a second. When most people today think about augmented reality, they're uh, e- either visualizing like uh, an engine with all these pop-ups uh, in holograms around it that are providing you information or like a control panel like in Minority Report where you're, you're pointing at things in the air and interacting with it, right? And that's, that's still a ways away to be being able to do that. But there are augmented reality technologies available today that can really make a difference. So the first use case is training. And that's pretty pervasive, actually, because in the context of training, you can make scenarios in the, in the virtual world or the augmented world that would be cost prohibitive to do physically or potentially dangerous to do, right? So what it allows you to do is run people in their training courses through a a vaster variety of scenarios, building that experience uh, quicker and broader than you would have otherwise been able to do. So that's pretty common out there. But from the mobility and the engineering support angle, uh, there are technologies that you can use like if you just do a, a Zoom call or any kind of video call, right? You're you're interacting with somebody. With simple application of applied augmented reality, you can use like the camera on your existing mobile device 
and you can uh, interact with the person on the other end to circle things or highlight things or send documentation that applies to particular things that you're showing them in real time. And then you can even, like in one of the tools that we use uh, at IFS, you can uh, sort of overlay the camera onto a blank canvas so you can actually point to things with your finger and the augmented reality sends that information to the technician. So what you're doing there is the augmented reality is uh, improving, fostering communication so that the support experience is better. And when you're utilizing that camera, really the it's much better for the support engineer on the other end of that line because they can actually tell you to move it around and show me what you're actually seeing. In fact, during the, the pandemic, um, the FAA approved virtual inspections as part of uh, the recertification of the 737 MAX, right? So they were actually allowing some of the inspections to occur remotely. So if that's a use case that's possible, I don't think it's too far stretched to carve out some of the maintenance inspections and have those be able to be supported remotely. Not all of them. Like sometimes you need somebody to be in there, but like it, there's scenarios where it's just a visual inspection where you open up a panel, you're seeing the same thing with your eyes as you are with the camera. There's There's got to be some scenarios we can do there. And then that has massive implications for your organization in terms of how you can restructure because then you can have a central group of support or in this case, inspectors, right, that are doing constantly the high value tasks. So you're not retasking them with lower value tasks. You're maximizing the use of your inspectors because they're fielding calls from all over the place. And it changes your staffing model because you no longer have to staff as many types of skills an outstation. You can have some of those skills centrally controlled and they can serve a whole bunch of different outstations without having to hop on the next flight out either. Great. Rob, this is fascinating. So I know we've talked a little bit about mobility and augmented reality helping out the, the folks on the front line. Anything else that uh, you think could be beneficial or that you're looking into? Well, since I, I keep talking about mobility and technologies that reinforce mobility, I got another one for you. So if you, LIDAR is becoming more pervasive out there in the world, right? So if you drive a Tesla and you have the screen beside you and it's showing you like the objects that you're driving beside the other cars on the road, it's doing that through use of LIDAR, right? And people think about it um, uh, in terms of, of sort of those big vehicles and, and sensors there. But it's actually already being in use in, in lots of different applications in, uh, in aerospace. So for example, dent mapping. So there's, there's, uh, there are devices where you can hold up a scanner to the aircraft and it will really accurately map all the dents and defects on the skin of the aircraft. They even take similar sensors like that and mount them on drones and you can fly them around the aircraft and they can do a 3D model of the aircraft and, and determine anywhere where there are sort of deviations from the smooth profile that you would be expected. And that makes dent mapping hugely more effective. But when if we talk about sort of practical technologies that are also immediately available that we can sort of unlock today, if you have the latest iPhone or iPad, you already have LiDAR in your pocket. In fact, I made my boss upgrade my phone so that I could do demonstrations <laughs> with LiDAR. So I have a new phone now. But you can use the LiDAR to take measurements. So for example, we've integrated that into our mobile app for our technicians so that uh, rather than 
having to go get a ruler, a tool that is approved, but really if you're trying to use a ruler on a curved surface, your accuracy isn't so great. You can just use use the LiDAR on your phone to take the measurement. And one of the things that allows you to do is like if you're just transcribing a measurement, it opens it up to transcription errors. It opens it up to uh, like the idea that you're registering the tool, the measurement on the tool elsewhere, and then you're just inputting it somewhere else. In this case, you can save the actual measurement, right? It's a it's a photograph contextualized with the measurement against it that's now embedded in the system. So you have like you you have a complete record of what was actually measured in that context for uh, for the ability to evaluate later or judge changes in in measurements over time. The the sort of granularity of the digital record is is uh, much better in in that regards. It's fascinating. And- yeah. Um, and and let me ask, like, in terms of the adoption from from airlines and MROs, like, do you think that they're ready for this type of of technology, or are they using them, or h- how do you see them? Yeah, they are. the 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 drones are are in operation right now, but I think part of what I might try to get across on this is the idea that there are technologies available now that are not a bridge too far, right? You don't need a massive implementation project. If you've already rolled out iPads to your technicians for one reason, you have the capabilities of that device available to you today. You just might not know about it, right? There's there's a lot of practical technologies that airlines can leverage without some of the massive change and adoption barriers that we think about when they're taking on some of the, some of the more uh, invasive technology updates, I would say. And so, based on what you've described, it seems like you get pretty pretty significant efficiency gains just from the time saved. Do you have any numbers or perspectives on on what to expect? That's really hard. the The challenge is that it varies based on what your baseline is, right? So, an organization that is coming from an old legacy system and paper processes is going to have huge efficiency gains. An organization that's coming from a modern system and making small changes to their processes isn't going to have as monumental gains as the other organization. They're still going to be significant, uh, but it's it's harder to measure. Or I, I shouldn't say it's harder to measure. I should say it's a smaller incremental change because they've already got some of the base level efficiencies under their belt. Right. And I guess on top of that, you're also still seeing, you'd still be seeing all of the benefits from cleaner da- data captured at the source rather than introducing manual errors from you know, transcription. Definitely. The more you can um, help the technician with uh, pre-population of information through integrated processes or provide checks at the point of entry, the better your data quality is going to be for sure. Robs, I know you mentioned right at the start that your clients are seeing challenges both from a labor perspective, but also from a supply chain perspective. Um, I know we've talked a lot about the solutions that you're looking into from a technology perspective to support the labor shortages. Uh, what about on the supply chain side? Well, uh, that's a good question, Nick. Um, if we stay on the theme of mobility, then mobility can also have a real impact in supply chain. 
just like you can uh, enable your technicians on the mobile device, you can enable your storeroom clerks and storeroom supervisors to be able to uh, be more effective inside of the warehouse. So things like uh, mobile pick lists or being able to do uh, proactive stock counts while you happen to be at a particular location that are coming due. Uh, So you get more accurate stock data on the fly rather than just having to do it periodically when you do a massive count uh, can have significant benefits to an organization. So whether that's uh, just enabling a mobile device on browser or a mobile app to to help out in the warehouse, you can you can get significant gains there. If, on the other hand, I was trying to uh, talk about some of those other technologies that are kind of readily available but aren't being applied today, they, I have an example in supply chain too. Have you ever have you gone to like uh, either a grocery store and a hardware store lately, and you see the little electronic shelf labels. Yeah, I've seen those. I think it's CVS. Yeah. Yeah. So most people think about it in terms of it just updates the price of the item, right? So it saves time. They don't have to print the labels and put the new price in there right. when it's on sale. You're just like, boop, it's on sale. Boop, it's not on sale anymore. But those devices are actually uh, much more interactive than they're used most of the time. So for example, We've got a retailer back home in Canada, where I'm from, called Canadian Tire. And if you look up a, a part in on one of their terminals, you can say, go, and it'll start flashing on, the, on that label so that you know where that part is. And you can go down the aisle and pick up that part. You can do similar things like that in the warehouse. When you're going to go pick up a part, you can send a signal to the label for that bin and it can start flashing. So the storeroom clerk doesn't have to navigate or know where that bin is. They just go to the one that's flashing over there and they're they're at for sure at the right bin. They're not going to pick the wrong thing. The other thing that you can do with it when you increase the level of um, sort of integration of those devices is you can actually have prompts on the screen that say, hey, you're supposed to pick this serial number go grab it from the bin and you can hit a button on that label and it'll actually do the transaction for you. So we talked about how mobility can be empowering in this case, but you can actually forego the mobile device in that case and have the technician, uh, sorry, the storeroom clerk physically interacting with the warehouse itself at that point uh, without a mobile device and still be able to get those kind of efficiencies. And that's, that's something you, you, walk in front of the store every day without even noticing it. That's interesting. So the label could tell you, next, go to bin XYZ and send you... Yeah, potentially. Or just sure. walk out with a, with a part in there. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, thanks so much for joining us again today. Uh, this was a great conversation. Fascinating stuff. Really interesting to see how the technology is evolving. And I think with the challenges that we're seeing in the industry today, we may, may be seeing faster and faster adoption over the next couple of years. It's it's my pleasure, Nick. Uh, I really appreciate the opportunity. And as a fan of technology, I, I hope that we can accelerate some of this adoption and, and try to address some of the challenges that we have in the marketplace with technology. Thank you, Rob.